1: Worker of yours.
0: This is Issues 2020. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Sedgwick County Manager Tom Stoles. Welcome to Issues 2020.
1: Thank you, Steve. Appreciate good
0: it. Good to have you with us. Let's start off with something topical. Okay, where, <laughs> okay. Are, where are we in the county right now on closing the bars and the nightclubs? What's happening right now?
1: Uh, so Dr. Mann's uh, issued an order um, in the, within the last couple of days, and then yesterday the commission... Uh, took action to approve that order with some, uh, some, some amendments to it. So we are uh, processing through that today. But in essence, uh, any nightclub in the city that does not have a restaurant status uh, effective tonight will have to close. Uh, those that have restaurant status will be allowed to uh, stay open. And one of the amendments that the commission made yesterday was to allow them to stay open uh, un- until 2 a.m. if that's what they chose to do. Uh, Dr. Menz had in his order originally that they were to close at midnight. So uh, we're processing through that today. We're getting a list of all of those entities who by his order will have to close uh, and, uh, and who can uh, remain open. And we are working with the city of Wichita on, the, on their licensing uh, information so that we can give proper notification to all those businesses.
0: And, of course, we should add that we are recording this conversation on a Thursday. And mm-hmm. uh, d- now, what about uh, the uh, duration of this close down for the bars and restaurants, uh, or d- bars and nightclubs? It's going to be shorter than what he asked for, right?
1: Correct. One of the things, one of the amendments that the commission made yesterday, uh, Dr. Mintz had suggested this go till September nine. Uh, and the commission body yesterday uh, wanted it to go for four weeks. So it comes down uh, August uh, 20th or 21st. So it's four weeks from date of, uh, of uh, when we stand it up. And then they also, the commission wanted the numbers, and when I talk about the numbers, the COVID virus numbers that we all look at every week, they wanted that reviewed uh, weekly and to where adjustments or decisions could be made on this order uh, based on, on the activity of the virus.
0: And there's something being done about uh, possibly about compensation for those uh, restaurant or, or club owners who are going to be hit by so, this. So,
1: yeah, commissioners uh, yesterday uh, wanted us to review uh, options under CARES funding to um, uh, target these businesses which were being mandated to close down by this order. What would be allowed uh, by federal treasury rules and guidelines? Uh, and we'll bring it back to them after analysis. We'll bring it back to them uh, uh, next Wednesday at our next BOCC meeting and give them uh, options of what is allowed and what is not allowed, and and they'll make a decision based on that.
0: Now, uh, how are you personally dealing with this COVID (laughs) pandemic?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I don't think. But last time we talked, Steve, nobody signed up for this. Um, None of our commissioners did. None of our staff did. Uh, It's... it's, uh, as trying and taxing a time uh, as I've ever gone through, and I've you know I was in the police department for 30 years, and we had stressful situations and times, but not, nothing even close to this. So it's it's trying and taxing on all of us. Um, and when people get tried and taxed, they they they're a little shorter fuse on them. Uh, they're a little bit crankier, uh, and it's just every day is a battle to. Uh, reaffirm that we all need to try to be kind to one another, get along, and be patient with one another. Recognizing that, um, like the health department, uh, uh, emergency management, that those those entities are overtaxed right now. They're just overrun with the amount of business that this virus is bringing in the door. So we have to, we have to, you know, shift back. We have to be methodical. We have to be patient. We have to. It, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, you know, you just live by those kinds of rules every day, and you try to try to get through to the next day.
0: So the the battlefield is in the counties. Sedgwick County is taking a leading role in dealing with the pandemic. Tell us about the, the county health officers or, who are helping you run this show.
1: Well, you know, our county health is, any public health department, uh, and this is a phenomenon around the country, you know, nobody really even knows these exist until you need them, uh, until there's a measles outbreak, or a mumps outbreak, or or and the worst case scenario, which is what we're going through now, basically a pandemic and not just a state or county or national pandemic, a worldwide uh, pandemic. So uh, you, you try to staff, uh, you try to staff government staffing at a level which on an, in a normal time serves the needs of the people. Uh, and that way you have the minimum amount of government, the minimum amount of expense for uh, taxpayers to shoulder uh, and, and that's how you, you go through your budget years. Well, when something like this all of a sudden happens, and this thing hit us like a tsunami back in, in uh, you know, February and March, uh, I think if anybody wants to go out and say that they predicted exactly how this was going to go, I, I think they're being disingenuous. We really were uh, stunned by how fast this moved, the breadth and scope, and the psychology of how this affected our country. And now all of a sudden, the health department is in a laser target of this thing, and you, you try to you, you know try to move the needle on the fly. So we try to add staff, we try to um, in, uh, put n- new equipment up there. We're trying to move this on the fly, and it's it's difficult because it's it's you just can't train people up in a day and a half to do the kind of work that they're doing. So. What you ask for in the in the stop gap is for your people your incumbent people to go above and beyond uh, I know people over there who have not had a day off in three months not a not a single day uh, that includes weekends i I have finance staff here you you would think that that's what would finance have to do with coronavirus Well, we're trying to manage and acquire and uh, ascertain equipment and materials and people and so that it it Stresses them. I know finance stuff. My CFO has not had a day off in weeks So it, it the people are uh, and and they don't do it for the money Steve they, they do it because they love the community They do it because they're devoted to their to their craft and they're doing the best they can and, um, and, and We'll get through this. I, I've, I've said many times before we'll we'll get through it I think there's some lights at the end of the tunnel that we really need to focus on as we make decisions about how we live the next three, or four months, uh, till the end of the year. Um, and, and, and our health staff will be there to, to support us. I, I know they will.
0: It seems to me at least that the key or one of the keys to this battle is testing.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: let's talk about that. Is testing adequate right now?
1: No, it's, it's not. Uh, and that's, you know, we have struggled in, in Kansas, uh and in cedric County with testing since the onset uh you know the original problem was we couldn't get any commodities uh you know we were testing 30 40 50 people a day if we were lucky um, and then as those commodities began to free up now what's happened is in the last 3 or 4 weeks we've seen this spike of infections uh and and the system is is borderline overwhelmed not only on a local level but on a national level so in in Sedgwick County uh, when we take a a sample from a citizen uh, we have to ship that. It has to go somewhere. We do not have a local lab capacity in Wichita State County to process uh, um, uh, our results. Not, not at least in the public health arena. Some of the private offices and maybe the hospitals do but in the public health arena we don't have that capacity. So when we ship those to external labs uh, and we had a, we're doing business with a couple of national labs Uh, and you have the four most populous states in the country uh, being overrun by this thing right now, uh, the results take longer. And so we're seeing uh, by the time we get people scheduled for a sample, they give a sample, we curry it, they take a number of days to test it, it curries back, and we get results to people. You know, now we're talking 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 days, and that's just not good enough. It's not good enough to... I mean, it's better than nothing, but it's, it's not the kind of results that allow us to keep kids in schools and to keep people on the jobs where they work. It's just not good enough. So um, in our CARES money uh, that we are uh, managing, we have allocated 25% of that entire pot is for rapid testing. And so next week on uh, on July 29, uh, the commission will hear uh, some options for rapid testing solution for our for Sedgwick County, Kansas. Uh, and there's a, there's a couple of options out there that will uh, roll. Uh, one of the things we're doing is we're acquiring a couple of rapid test machines for our health department, which will give us capacity to get results spun around here instantaneously. Uh, the problem with that is we, there's a line of people that want to do the same thing, so we have to wait on the actual machine to be manufactured, produced, shipped, and set up. So, and then the other part of it is we have to automa- automate how we, uh, how we do business on the front and back ends. Uh, telephone calling is how we've always worked in the health department. You, you telephone call to make an appointment, we telephone call you with your results back at the end, and in today's society, telephone calling is cumbersome. People don't answer, uh, we miss one another, we, we play the call back game, we've all done that just in, in our everyday life. Well, that takes time in this kind of system, so we need to automate how people can schedule themselves for appointments. We need to automate how they get results on a back end where it's not reliant on a telephone call. They can get online or get on their smartphone, and they're given a a code number, and they can go through the list and find their tests. So we're looking at automation of this entire system and and trying to stand that up in conjunction with the rapid test methodology, because... Even if we have rapid testing and we can't process it on the front and back end, it's still not going to do us good. So we we have both these trains going down track at the same time.
0: So how has the pandemic impacted county employees? Any positive tests down there?
1: Uh, we're like any other business. Um, yes, we we we've, um, we've had uh, some of our emergency responders are testing positive. Uh, some of our line staff. Uh, we're just part of society. And uh, just like any other uh, employer that has, you know, 2,500, 2,700 people, you're going to get some tests. So, uh, and we quarantine, and we're, we're doing the same rules that every every other company's uh, going through. We're, we're, we're testing, we're, we're waiting on our test just like everybody else is. Uh, and we're quarantining uh, as best we can and trying to manage through this and yet stay open. So um, it, it's, it's, we definitely, if people don't understand or they don't think we understand the stress, we surely do because we're an organization as well.
0: You're listening to Issues 2020 on the Intercom radio stations, and our guest is Sedgwick County Manager Tom Stoles. Well, th- a tough time for workers and businesses, lost tax revenue for local government. How big is that impact on Sedgwick County as you finalize that budget just for the next few days or so?
1: Right. Um, well, you know, part of the, the phenomena of... of the coronavirus and this whole issue is, Will, you hear people say a lot of times, we just don't know. Uh, I'm. I We talk a lot to doctors and we talk a lot to medical professionals about trying to predict what's going to happen. And they, they'll tell you, we're so new into this and, and, the, and a virus has only been in our country for six months, so we just don't know. And, and it's the same kind of answer when you start looking at and trying to project budgets. We just don't know the impact that this is going to have on our, uh, on our economy. We're seeing early signs uh, it's, that it's bad, uh, it, particularly when you look at Wichita-Sedwick County and our reliance on aircraft industry, and we're seeing the, the destruction that this virus uh, is causing uh, that industry and, and other industries. Um, so we, we don't know the impact. Uh, when we budget and when we plan in government, we always use worst-case scenario, uh, so we're rolling out our 21 budget. it's it's, it's flat uh, even though costs continue to go up we've we've made certain sacrifices organizationally um, you know no pay raises for employees and things of those na- of that nature which doesn't make us special it just puts us in line with what the rest of the community is going through uh, to try to get through 21 and then we're Anticipating a large deficit for 2022, so then you tactically have to have to look at organizationally, what services you provide, what can we maybe stop providing, and and begin to cut back on uh, expenses because we know that this is not going to be a one-year phenomenon. At least we don't expect it to be. So uh, we're we're being very cautious uh, with expenditures. We're, uh, we're we're managing very tightly. We're trying to be very lean. Um, City Manager and I have talked a lot about is there things we can combine, is there things we can do more efficiently to save money, Uh, and that discussion will go on for months. Uh, But, as you know, we live a year at a time, so our 21 budget's um, not terrible. I think we can continue our service provisions as people are accustomed, Uh, same number of EMS workers, same number of fire workers, same amount of road work going on same kinds of uh, services they are used to when they come into this building or, or that we provide out there. Uh, but 2022 is going to be a challenge, so uh, we'll, we're having a lot of discussions moving forward.
0: Well, you're, uh, you were with the Wichita Police Department for 30 years. I want to change, change the tone just a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think, uh, maybe you don't want to give me a comment on this, what do you think of the WPD's handling of the racial injustice protests we had locally?
1: Uh, well, I think our police department here is, uh, you know, we're very lucky in Cedric County, very blessed. We have good law enforcement. Uh, and that the, the WPD, our sheriff's office, our district attorney, these are top notch, really good people, really, really um, uh, just good hearted people. They want to do what's best for, for citizens. Uh, everybody's struggling with um, the, the racial injustice topic. Uh, differently, I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer. Except one of the one of the answers that's not acceptable is we're not going to do anything. Everybody knows we have to do something, uh, and our people, um, uh, Sheriff Easter, uh, Mark Bennett, our district attorney, uh, Gordon Ramsey, our, our Wichita chief, they are all willing to listen. They are all willing to learn and get better. None of them are, uh, w- w- you know. Uh, inflexible, like, no, we know what we're doing, and we're the experts, so we're not going to talk to anybody. None of them have that attitude. They're all really good people. Um, so I, I think that they're handling it correctly. Uh, uh, Chief Ramsey is, a, is an advocate of education, so is the sheriff. Uh, we, try to, we try to dialogue. We try to have meaningful conversations and educate one another on what our challenges are, and then we try to come to a solution um, that is the best, and I think we're going through that. Uh, We'll continue to go through it, and I I think we're very blessed in Sedgwick County to have leaders that we do in in law enforcement.
0: But, you know, for several years, uh, we've been talking, and I've talked to the police chiefs uh, going back a ways, but there's been talk about uh, improving what we call a community policing, getting out there and getting to know people. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it seems to me that that's kind of, and you were there, I mean, it, it seems to me it's kind of paying off, at least this time around.
1: Well, you know, community policing, and yeah, I'm I'm old enough, I was there at the beginning of the whole community policing discussion. That was 1990 and 91, 92. And, you know, we rolled that out early in the 90s. But honestly, before you get the fruits of that result, you have to go a generation. When when you change police culture or law enforcement culture or, or government culture in general, you don't reap the benefits of that that day. You reap the benefits of that three and four and five and six years down the road. And by the same token, when you do bad things, when you back away, which after 9-11, honestly, Steve, law enforcement kind of got redirected. You know, there's a lot of talk about how police got militarized today. And if you look, 9-11 was a watershed event for this country, and it began to move the law enforcement away from the community-mindedness that we were advocating in the 90s, more to a hunker down and let's do battle with terrorists mentality, and we're now we're coming back full circle again, and we understand that it really comes down to human relationships out in the community uh, amongst people, and that is uh, that's why I was a strong av- advocate for community policing in the early '90s. I was dismayed a little bit when we backed away from it after 911, and and you didn't see the results of that. You, you had to wait a generation, and then we. We saw the results of what happens uh, when you lose that connectivity with the community. Uh, And now we have to try to get it back. We're aspiring to get it back, and it's going to be a a long haul because the changes that Chief Ramsey or the sheriff make today, uh, they're not going to realize the benefits of that for a couple, three years. But we have to get going down the right path so that we're not having this exact same conversation in five or ten years or hopefully in 20 years. We, we turn a corner and we and we do what's right.
0: You uh, just gave some. I thought some excellent perspective on this thing of militarizing the police getting the big trucks or the, whatever you call these big mm-hmm. tank looking things out and putting all the helmets and, th- and and yeah, that so that really came about right about nine eleven. That makes sense. The, yeah, the police kind of changed.
1: Yeah. It was a shift in that, and honestly, if if, if you just look at federal dollars and how they flow. In, in the 90s, there was federal dollars flowing to community policing so that we could stand this kind of model up. And then the federal dollars after 9-11 began to flow for equipment and, and uh, you know, more sophisticated uh, counterterrorism types of equipment. And, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The world's a dangerous place right now, even in our streets uh, in, the, in America. Uh, you know, you don't have to look very far uh, to see what's going on with some violence a dangerous place out there but there is a happy medium between uh, relationships with police officers and their citizens and the ability to uh, shift gears when something really bad happens or we get a really bad actor uh, within the community there's a fine line that we have to negotiate there and that's that's why police work and uh, is so challenging because you have to you have to be able to do both those things uh, well
0: are are we getting adequate training right now for for the officers Do you think
1: Oh, you know, I think the base training is very good. Um, the Kansas Law Enforcement Training Center in Hutch trains uh, the state officers. Uh, WPD and the sheriff have their own academy here. I think our base training is is very good. Uh, and I think our community and our, our um, ability to work with mental illness and our ability to communicate with all kinds of population pockets, I think that's good training. It can always get better. and then, And I think what we need to do is listen very carefully to the community right now uh, of what they desire and how they want to be policed, because that's what that's what drives the, the, the train, is uh, not what police chiefs think, it's what their citizens think. And I know Gordon is, uh, is a good listener, and his staff, is they're good at listening. Uh, and I think they'll improve their training in the future. Uh, the sheriff's wide open to suggestions uh, on how he runs his field crew and how he runs his jail staff. Um, so we need to listen very carefully. We need to make these changes. It needs to be Planned and strategized and thought out, and, and then we need to to do what our community wants us to do.
0: Sounds to me like your professional life right now is putting out fires, big fires, constantly. Uh, does that? Do you, do you have any time to think and envision about the future of the county when some of this stuff maybe someday kind of dies down a little bit?
1: Yeah, and that's part of the struggle right now. I'm a and uh, I'm a planner by nature. I like to think one step ahead, and I like to be methodical and meticulous about how we move forward. And when you face crisis every day, which you're describing that exactly correctly, the last three or four months is just basically one one crisis after another. It cuts away from your ability to plan and think rationally about uh, the future. And we need to get back to that. But, so you know, that's how you end up working 80 hours a week, because you have to do some of that yet. Uh, you have to strategize and plan for the future. But it's tough when you're under constant crisis. And I mean, i, I I look forward to the day, and I keep telling people, look forward to the day when uh, they roll these vaxes out, uh, and there's some relief from COVID. Uh, and even though we know that even when they roll vaxes out, uh, we're still going to we're still going to be, you know, battling COVID-19. Uh, it's not going to just disappear into the mist. Uh, but I look forward to that day when we can at least get back to a more normal operation of. Business in this community. We can get our aircraft flying again. We get people back on planes and traveling, uh, because that will that will then allow us to begin to do long term planning in government and in our business world, uh, like like we all prefer.
0: You know, it'd be a real good thing if we get that seven thirty seven max. Thing taken care of that'll be a step in the right direction well i
1: mean and, you know that was a problem we had that's pre-covid uh we were trying to work our way through that and then we got the double deal uh going with with covet on top of that so i have a lot of admiration for the aircraft people in this community and they're trying to battle through this and maintain a, a, a workforce and uh, it's tough it's just you know but when you lose 96 percent of your your flying uh, uh Patrons out there, it's just tough right now for a lot of us. Uh, but specifically, uh, aircraft and any any industry that deals with entertainment right now is really struggling.
0: All right. Well, thanks for spending some time with us. You know, it, it is kind of hard to keep our our mood up in day to day dealing with all this. Of course, we just talk about it on the radio, but you actually have to live in the trenches. So, uh, I'd like to just say uh, thank you for all you're doing, and the city, and all the government employees are doing. To try to keep this thing, at least some sanity in this thing, and uh, we appreciate it. Thanks for your, right. thanks for your efforts there.
1: All right, thanks for your time, Steve. Appreciate it. Uh, it's
0: always good to talk to you, Tom. And, and I guess you're probably not ready to to retire, yeah, not not while the fight's still going on. Huh? Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's all for this edition of Issues Twenty Twenty. Our guest this week has been uh, Century County Manager Tom Stolls talking about all the stuff going on with the pandemic and so forth. And uh, we're going to be back next week, another edition of uh, Issues 2020 next week. And uh, we thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. <laughs>